I know it's probably a handful of you guys who don't know me, so before I get started, I just want to give a quick introduction. As Pastor Mitch mentioned, my name is, uh, it's actually Trevorin Jones, but I go by Trevor. I uh, work here at the media team, um, do a lot of the sermon editing, I post a lot of the podcasts, and I also do a lot of the social media stuff here. So if you see a message from Victory Church Online or Victory Church is liking something you posted and interacting with you, that's 90% of the time that was me. I know uh, we had a lot of fun yesterday. I posted this question, you know, where's everybody from? Tell me your hometown. And had a lot of fun interacting with everybody, responding to that. Had a, a pretty good time. So um, my wife, Nicola, uh, and I, Nicola's over, sitting over here. Uh, we came to this church in 2012, July 2012. Uh, my son, Jordan, he was two years old at the time. Uh, my daughter, Grace, was born a month later in August. And we've pretty much been here ever since. Um, so I guess for about uh, seven and a half, eight years. For the first few years I was here, I didn't really get involved. I pretty much came to all the services, uh, volunteered a lot. I came to all the events, but I didn't really invest myself. You know, I kept telling myself, you know, I'm too busy. I got a job and just need to focus on that. But um, after a while, I started uh, getting involved. I went on a couple of missions trips to Guatemala in October. Um, also started getting involved with the Young Adults Ministry. And as I got involved, I really started to open up and put my heart in there, serving and connecting with everybody. Uh, later in 2016, that led to an opportunity to join the staff here. Uh, so I've been working here for almost three years. I look, I said a little bit over three years. Uh, but doing all that, I really got the opportunity to get to know all of you guys, get to really meet you and hang out with you, learn more about you. What I've learned is that, man, there is a lot of pain in our church. There's a lot of pain that we're carrying. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a spirit-filled church. You guys have the, some of the most joy I've ever seen on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. But there's still a lot of pain that we're carrying. Um, and a lot of us have learned to hide them for various reasons. So tonight, what I'm going to talk about is scars. So scars are an inevitable part of life. If you live long enough, you're going to get hurt. And the hurt often leaves a wound. That wound might be physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. And though that wound may heal, we are often left with a scar, a physical reminder of that pain. But I hope by the end of this message, you will see that those scars, they can be blessings to you. They can be blessings to ourselves and also the people around us. Before I get started, I'm just going to open up in prayer. So Father God, I've, I've prepared as much as I can, Lord God, but now I hand it over to you, Lord. This is your platform. The word says that we're going to be held accountable for everything that we say, Lord God. So I pray that everything that I say tonight is of your spirit. And it is not of your spirit, Lord God. Do not let it pass my lips. I submit this time to you and to the Holy Spirit, Lord God. I'm believing that seeds will be sown and that lives will be changed and hearts will turn back to you, Lord God, if they're away from you right now, Lord God. And this is for your glory, not mine. I don't care if nobody remembers my name after this. This is all for your glory, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when I was a teenager, I developed this uh, really disgusting bad rash right here under my jaw. Yeah, I mean, it came out of nowhere one morning. Um, and it was dis disgusting, just to say the least. It was just this huge scalp. It was hard. It was nasty. Um, and it stayed there for about two years. And I'm still not quite sure what it was, but it was very embarrassing. And as you can imagine, 
that's not something you want appearing, um, especially when you're in high school and junior, senior year, when kids are just at their meanest. And they got on me. You know, they go, oh, what's that? What, what, what's going on with Charlie? What's that on his face? And they, you know, kids in high school aren't discreet about anything. They'll sit there and talk about you behind your back, but they'll make sure you hear every word they're saying. So anyway, I would come home upset, and my mom would look at me, and she would say, you know, what's wrong? What happened? And I would tell her, I'd say, you know, the kids at school, they teased me. They, they, they made fun of me. They called me ugly. Now that I'm a parent, I can understand, I can say with confidence that no matter how much pain a child is feeling, there's no pain that compares to the pain a parent feels when they can't help that child. I mean, I know my brother Cameron, I know you had a sick daughter over the weekend. You kind of had to sit there and watch her, and there was just like, no matter how much pain she was in, you probably felt it even worse. So, so I could still see the hurt and pain in my mom's eyes, and she would ask me, you know, who said these things? Who told you that you were ugly? You see, my mom was hurt. She was hurt that someone would look at her child, her beautiful, wonderful child that she had made, and call him ugly. And even if that rash, that scab, or whatever that was, had spread from my jaw and covered my whole body from head to toe, I would never be unloved by my mom, and she would never think I was ugly. And that's reminiscent of God in the Garden of Eden. So let's turn real fast to Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 6, 6 through 11. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. God said, Who told you that you were naked? See, God was very upset. He was upset at Adam and Eve for their disobedience, that they had willfully disobeyed a command he had given them. But he was also upset that someone had told them that they were naked. Someone had made his wonderful, beautiful children that he made they, made, they made them believe something that wasn't true about them. They became ashamed of how they looked and who they were. And God does not want us to be ashamed of who we are. He made us that way. Amen. If you look at the first chapters of Genesis, you can see that we are really his only creations that he took time to, with his hands to form and breathe life into. Um, Here's what it says in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, he, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So skip ahead a little bit to verse 31, and it said, 
God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was the morning, the sixth day. So here's the truth about God's attitude towards mankind. God created us and called us good. And we've lost kind of, lost the power of that word nowadays. We've lost what it means when God says something is good because we just throw it around. It's like, oh, man, I'm good. You good? We good? That piece is good, man. Everything all right, you know? But even Jesus himself didn't throw that word around, right? When somebody called Jesus good teacher, what did he say? Whoa, 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 hold up. Why do you call me good? There is nobody good but the Father. That's a little trivial paraphrasing, but what I'm getting at is that God created man and his nakedness and said it was good. And then something led man to believe that it was not good. He created us, each one of us, with great care and detail. He knows us intimately to the hairs on our head. And think about how foolish it is to try to hide your nakedness from God. I mean, he knows stuff about your body that you will never know. He knows stuff about my body that I need three mirrors to see. He doesn't want us hiding. He doesn't need us hiding. So he's asking us, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you you were poor and never going to make it? Who told you you were ugly? Who told you you were not good enough? Who told you you were always going to be an alcoholic? Who told you you were stupid? Who told you that life was over? Who told you that you were never going to be loved? Who told you that you were never going to recover? And who told you that I didn't love you? And these are the things that our scars can tell us. These are things the devil will try to use to keep us from forming a relationship with the Father and finding our true healing in him. And that's why Pastor Mitch and we as a church, we always encourage everyone here, please, please, please establish a regular practice of reading your word, praying, and just get, spending time with God. Because you need to know his word, you need to know his promises. Because if somebody tells you something, if somebody tries to send you a message and it's not of the word, it is a lie. So many of us have scars, experiences from our past, our mistakes, our relationships, something we keep as a definition of who we are. And sometimes we keep these scars for so long that we start to just accept that they are true. And as a result, we end up thinking, I'm not good enough for God. I'm going to go hide in the bushes. Hope he doesn't find me. We spend a lot of time covering our scars. When I had that really bad scar right here under my jaw, you know, I used to wear, try to wear big collar shirts, turtlenecks, hoodies, whatever I could to cover it up. You know, sometimes nowadays we wear, you know, makeup, maybe we wear some, uh, try to cover up with clothes. I pretend like they just aren't there. In our American culture, a lot of companies make a lot of money trying to sell us things that they say is going to fix our scars. It's going to cover it up. Hey, don't worry about your scar, just put this over it. You'll feel much better. Adam and Eve, they cover themselves with fig leaves. We cover ourselves with titles, positions, cars, houses, vacation, Facebook followers, Instagram likes, Snapchat. <laughs> you know, relationships with certain people, popularity, anything to cover the reminder of that hurt. Nobody wanted to be around us if they saw our scars, our true nature, or so we think. 
But God sees our scars and loves us. Even when our scars may prevent us from loving ourselves. And God sent us the perfect thing to cover our scars. He sent his son Jesus to live among us, to put on human flesh. In essence, Jesus having the character of God, God himself who made in his, sorry, God himself who made man in his likeness, put on flesh and made himself in man's likeness. Hebrews 4.15 give us, gives us a great promise. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Jesus could experience pain, hurt, wounds, and scars. He became a man to live among men. And Jesus flipped the whole idea of scars. He embraced people with scars. He embraced the lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the poor, the people that were considered unclean. He was able to see beyond their scars and see the beauty of the people God created. He loved them. He prayed for them. He fought for them. He protected them. In John chapter 17, he called them the ones that you have given me when he was praying to God for all the believers. And he died for them. And when Jesus was crucified and victoriously resurrected, there was something about his body. Jesus came back with a body that had been healed. He came back with a body that had defeated death. But what was interesting is that when he came back with that body, he had scars. But he didn't hide them. He invited his disciples to touch them. He wasn't embarrassed about them. He said, come over here and touch them. In John chapter 20, verses 26 through 27, It says this, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now, sometimes we get so used to reading the Bible's we get so used to trying to stick to our Bible reading plan. I'm the guilty of that, you know, reading the Bible in a year, two years, three years, that you read over things and you just miss the beauty and the details. And there's something so beautiful in this, in this verse that can change lives and change our lives and change the lives of the people around us. And it's that last part. Reach out your hand and put it in, into my side. Jesus invites us to touch his scars, to stop doubting and start believing these scars represented the most painful and humiliating death anyone had ever experienced. Jesus was mocked, beaten, stripped down, nailed to a cross, and just hung there to die and bleed out. Even though he could have came down any time he wanted, he took it. But these scars represented the price he paid for us, how much we were worth to him, the price he paid for our sin. As they say, the son of God became a man so that men can become sons of God. And these scars were the testimony. He didn't hide them. He invited his disciples to touch them. In the same way, your scars, the scars that you are hiding, the scars that you carry, are the key to somebody in your life to stop doubting and start believing. They're your testimony. People don't believe that God still performs miracles, that God still rescues, that God still heals, because we are not telling them, we are not showing them. 
So let's look at a parallel verse for a second. In Luke chapter 24, verses 37 through 39, it says this. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Again, Jesus invited people to look at his scars and to touch them. He wanted people to see that he had suffered, but now he's been healed. That he was dead and now he's alive. And that he had flesh and bones just like them. See, as Christians, sometimes we get so wrapped up in how we are different, you know, how we've been saved from everybody else that we forget to relate to people. We sometimes put on this cloak of religiousness. We become like that Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 9 through 14. This Pharisee wanted to hide his past, his shortcoming, his scars. So let's read this passage. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up at heaven, but beat his chest. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who will humble themselves will be exalted. Our scars shouldn't make us ashamed, but they should keep us humble. They remind us of our limitations, how much we need God. They also remind us that we are not home yet. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we remove the power of our scars to control us. We no longer have to hide them. The scars that held us back now empower us. They become our testimony that is used for God's glory. Jesus was free to show his scars because he overcame the source of those scars. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Now, some of us, if we're honest, you're probably listening to this tonight, and you're thinking, you know, I haven't been able to take control. I haven't been able to take hold of this healing. And so we're left with wounds that are yet to heal. But there's power in the gospel to lead us through that healing that we so desperately seek. As I was preparing for this message, I decided to look in the process of how a wound heals. I checked the John Hopkins website, and I found some uh, basic information about wounds and how wounds uh, become scars. So the first step is called hemostasis. And this is how our body stops the bleeding. This is when your blood starts to clump and clot the wound. This protects the wound and prevents further blood loss. These clots, these clots sorry, later turn to scabs as they dry. The next stage is inflammation. The blood vessels will start to open up a little bit and allow fresh nutrients and oxygen to enter into the wound for healing. You'll also see an increase in white blood cells that help fight infection and oversee the repair process. The next stage is growth and rebuilding. During this stage, more blood cells arrive to help build new tissues. If a scar appears, it is usually during this phase. Finally, the last stage is strengthening. The new tissue gets stronger. 
you'll notice some stretching, some itching, and puckering of the wound. Within time, the scar will be just as strong as the skin was before the damage. For those of us that have the new life in Christ, this process probably sounds real familiar. See, that first stage of hemostasis, stopping the bleeding, that's us coming to the cross. That's us when we finally decided to stop trying on our own to treat our wounds and let the great healer do his thing. There might be still pain, but at least we've stopped the bleeding. Next, as in the inflammation stage, we allow fresh nutrients and oxygen to enter us through the word. And just like the white blood cells that show up to um, fight infection and oversee repair, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Growth and rebuilding occurs through our walk with Christ as we replace old habits, old thoughts, and old relationships with new ones. And they begin to strengthen. And during the rest of our lives, we are stretched. We are placed in uncomfortable situations where we become strong in God's word and better than before. Scars no longer have power over you. In fact, they will empower you. Jesus, cross, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ brought freedom in his scars. In the same way, you will become free when you receive the gift of his salvation. You will be able to talk about your scars, change lives, impact others. The things that used to embarrass you won't have any more power over you. You'll be able to talk about your struggles with um, pornography, alcohol, drugs, relationships, self-esteem. Because when we live in Jesus, our scars become our testimonies. I can't remember where I heard this quote from, but I love this quote, and it's been with me for the rest of my life. I mean, it's been with me for, um, throughout my life. And this quote says, scars are not evidence that you've been hurt. Scars are evidence that God heals. Our scars are evidence that we are being renewed. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says this, Therefore, we do not give up. Even though the outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. It goes on to say in verse 17, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. As believers, we get to look forward to that, that eternal glory. And in light of that glory, our scars are just momentary afflictions. So I ask everyone tonight to just take a look at your scars and ask God to help you use your scars to reach others, to save the lost, to minister to others. To see that in Christ, the things that once held us back now propel us forward. God's people are called to minister to the scarred because we ourselves are scarred. And as we accept the call of Christ, we need to realize that the scars are not going to stop. Matter of fact, they're probably going to increase. We're not going to stop being wounded, but now we have power over them. Now, I was talking to my brother Josh the other day, and he shared this, he shared this uh, passage with me, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Amen. 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 Right, so before I wrap up tonight, I need to make sure that 
we understand the, the root of our scars because some of us are still out here being wounded because we never addressed the original thing that is causing us harm. And see, if we revisit that scene in the garden where Adam and Eve are hiding and God asks them, you know, why are you hiding? And they say, we, we're hiding because we're naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? There's a bit of a plot twist in the story. And maybe they didn't understand the question. Who told them that they were naked? The answer is nobody. Look at that story again in Genesis 3, 6 through 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then, both, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their own self-realization of their sin told them that they were naked. The serpent didn't say it. He's a serpent. He's probably naked himself. All the animals were naked. So why were they suddenly ashamed? They probably had a chance to address their scars and receive healing right then, but what did they do? What happened next? Let's look at Genesis 3, 11 through 14, move down a couple of verses. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. They shifted blame around them. They never addressed the root cause of what happened. Adam was so bold, he blamed God. Hey, you, you did this. And Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. But nobody took responsibility. Something we always try to teach our kids is to always take responsibility when you do something wrong. Just confess, man up. And we'll take care of it. It's going to be worse if you try to hide from it, if you try to evade it or do something to, you know, tell lies about it. Just accept responsibility. And that's something that, you know, real adults, we probably still, still need to learn. Adam and Eve stepped away from God's word and tried to cover their mistake by hiding. Some of us have stepped away from God's word and allowed a lot of false thoughts to enter our mind. And I'm no judgment here because I've done it in my life. There's been seasons uh, there's probably been moments and seasons in your lives where you guys have, where somebody here has tried to um, hide from God and cover their, uh, cover their scars. And Adam and Eve uh, responded with a series of excuses, series of excuses, not saying that they would have found salvation, but I wonder if things might have gone just a little bit easier if they came out and said, that was me, I messed up. I messed up. That was, that, that's all of me, I'm sorry. So what are you focusing on? Sometimes we focus more on our scars than we believe in God. Yes, we do. By our actions and our words, we reflect that truth. A lot of us come, around, come in here and say, you know, I've been hurt before. So we will avoid relationships and situations and opportunities that God is ordaining for us because we're focused on that scar. But instead of focusing on what hurt you, we need to focus on who healed you. Psalm 147, uh, verse 3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. So instead of saying, I've been hurt before, let's all start saying, I've been healed before. So sharing your healing. For some of you, um, for some of you that are still in the healing process, 
Remember that God wants us to be a community. God wants you to connect with other believers who can minister to you, and you can probably minister to them as well. And here's a little shameful advertisement. I know Pastor Mitch has already mentioned a lot of our support groups and small groups that we have going on, but I want to emphasize it some more. We have a lot of great support groups happening right now. Breaking the Cycle is a great group for people who are looking to get out of destructive habits. And if we're honest, I mean, most of us in here probably got some sort of destructive habit that we need to break. Uh, we also have this group, uh, Porn Free, for men who are struggling with pornography, divorce care for anyone who's dealing with a divorce. We also have Grief Share for anyone who's dealing with a loss they experienced recently. And I got to be honest, guys, last year was tough for this church. We lost a lot of great people. It seemed like every, almost every day I, we were getting emails. I was almost afraid of my email some days because I was like, you know, it's going to be bad news. But I'm sure everybody, for some reason, too, it, always, it seemed like it was happening around the holidays. We lost a lot of people around the holidays last year. I'm not sure what attack that was or where that came from, but, you know, we bonded right now. We cursed that. It did not happen ever again. But saying that, a lot of us are dealing with those losses, and I really encourage you to think about going to Grief Share. It's a really awesome program that will help you navigate that new normal. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to try to get you to deny the pain, but it's going to help you navigate that. As Pastor Mitch mentioned, we have two amazing retreats coming up, uh, Encounter 2020 and Surrender for the uh, Women. Um, I went to Encounter last year, and it was like the most amazing weekend of my life. You're talking about wounds being exposed and healed. I've never seen that kind of thing in my life, and I'm sure most of you who are here that following Sunday saw all the men coming up here and shaking this whole building and people running from outside, what's going on? And seeing all the men, ah! it, was, it was that incredible. And I don't know anything, I don't know what's going, going on with Surrender. Mira told me not to say anything about it, so shh, I'm not going to say too much about it. But if it's anything like Encounter, please sign up. Uh, last time I checked, I think both events were about 60% capacity. So don't wait, go ahead and sign up today, and there are a bargain for with the price you're paying. So in closing, I want to just say that many things are trying to destroy God's people today. Many things are trying to destroy each of you. The Bible says that the devil, uh, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking to destroy anyone, a thief looking to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> but we serve a greater lion. We serve the lion of Judah. And the fact that you are here in these seats prov- proves that God is protecting you in the midst of this, that God has a plan for his church, and you all, each one of you, is an important part of that plan. We cannot fight this battle without you. You with every one of your scars, let God use those scars for his glory. You see, with me, that scar that I had under my jaw, it caused a lot of embarrassment. I was ashamed of that scar. But the memories of that scar now help me reach others, minister to others, people who are struggling to connect because of their scars. Because I'm often reminded of what that feels like. And Jesus Christ doesn't want you to feel left out because of your scars either. So I invite you tonight, please, 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 if you have any scars that you are hiding, give those scars over to Jesus Christ. Show him your burden. Invite him to touch them. Ask him to use, him in, use you in a mighty way. And if you never touched his scars and seen the beauty in Jesus' scars, you know, come find one of us on the staff tonight or some, some other believers, and we will pray with you till you see the beauty of those scars. Nobody, leaves to, nobody needs to leave here tonight and go back and hide in the bushes. 
It's time to come out. Nobody told you you were naked. Come out. Let's handle this. Stop focusing on your scars and focus on the one who heals them. So a few action points as I wrap up. Um, again, get involved in a small group or support group. Provide healing or receive healing, but we need to do it together. Nobody's going to get through this alone. Jesus didn't meant for us to do it alone. So please connect. I found so many friends. Most of my friends in this church have come through small groups and connected through these ministries. Take control of your thinking. I know Pastor Mitch, you preach about this all the time. It's time to take control of our thinking through the uh, regular habit of reading the word, praying. Come out to pray on Saturday mornings because it's time to replace those wrong thoughts with scriptures. When something happens, when negative thoughts enter our mind, we need to speak God's word, word over them right now and stop that damage, to stop that bleeding right then and there. And finally, share your testimony whenever possible. You never know when it will help someone else deal with their scars.